Uh, this is First John chapter 2, verse 3, uh, 3 through 6. And it says this, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, I just pray for myself today as we, as we unpack the Scriptures and as we look um, at what John wrote to us. And his desire is that we would pursue holiness, and we've seen that, that he would also want us to know. One of the key things that he's wanting us to know is that we are believers. And so I pray, Lord, that we would, uh, as, we, as we look at this, we would examine these, these aspects of what it means to uh, be a Christian, the things that can give us assurance of our salvation. And we'll just be honest with our hearts and with our lives. Are those things in my life? Um, because if they're not, then maybe we need to return to the gospel and return to uh, what it means to be a Christian. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us all clarity of mind and clarity of thought here as we study your scriptures. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says this verse to us. It says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. And so he's telling you that as a Christian, um, you are to be diligent. You are to seek after knowing that you are a Christian. The ESV Study Bible, um, commenting on this verse, says this, God calls believers through faith in the gospel, but he has also chosen or elected them before the foundation of the world. From Ephesians 1. But God's grace and salvation should not be taken for granted. The more sanctified we are, um, the more believers can increase in their confidence that God really did call them, really did elect them to salvation before the end of the world. Which means, as Christians, um, as we go forward in our, in our faith, as we go forward in being sanctified, there should be more and more of an assurance of our salvation present in our lives. Um, and if it's not there, then that's concerning. And one of the things that John's really wanting you to know is, um, it, let me read John 5. This is, one of the, this is one of the reasons he wrote to us. It says this in John 5, 5.13. It says, I write these things to you um, that you may believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, he says, I write these things a few times in 1 John, but one of them he says in 1 John 5 is that he really wants you to know that you have eternal life. Not wonder, not hope, not just... I hope it all works out, but as you go through your Christian life, you can have confidence that you're in Christ and that you can know you're a believer. Um, now, let's look at verse 3. It says, and by this we know. When he says and, he's, he's automatically wanting you to look back up um, and, and he's connecting these words to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10 through 10, and ch- chapter 2, verses 1-2, through 2, which we've seen is all about confession and repentance as well as... Um, striving after holiness. And so he's trying to connect this thought about assurance of salvation into this. And he says, and by this we know that we have come to know him. We know. So he's dealing with assurance. We know this, that we have come to know him. He greatly desires that we would know this. By this we know that we have come to know him. When he says this, this this know is the same in both times. Um, it's not just a, a general knowledge. This word is not just kind of a general knowledge of no, knowing things. It's talking about a deep 
knowledge. Uh, it's the difference. Uh, there was a book written by J.I. Packer called Knowing God. And it's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Uh, anybody can know about God. If you're not a Christian um, and maybe you've never been a Christian and you've heard people talk about Jesus. And so you've got all these things that you, you know about God. You know, he created things. So just because you know about God doesn't mean you know God. And so this verb here, this know, is talking about knowing God. Much in the same way um, in the Hebrew scriptures, when, in, in the Old Testament, when it says a husband would know his wife, it, there's a lot of intimacy involved in that word know. And that's what he's talking about here. By this we know that we have come to know him. There's, there's an intimacy involved in knowing of Christ, that you can know you're in him. It says, by this we can know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, I wasn't expecting... I was not expecting if we keep his commandments. Um, as I'm reading this in just my mind, when he says, by this we know that we have come to know him, I'm expecting him to say, if we love him deeply. Or if we have affections that are always stirred for the thing. I'm, I'm expecting some kind of inward thing. But John is pointing to an external action, not an inward emotion, which is, to me, very interesting. Um, because he's talking about knowing and intimacy. Um, and he says, by this we can know that we come to know him if we keep his commandments. Not pointing to inward emotions, but pointing to outward actions. Your, um, your keeping of the commands of God is a way to know that you are in him. So here's the first thing. Um, we're just going to kind of look at four things he tells us to know that you're in him. The first one is that you keep his commandments or we keep his commandments. Um, now, for for us here as a church, I, I just want to kind of speak to this um, very specifically because there's a danger for us as as young, as kind of um, we know a lot of things. We study a lot. We're really deep into theology um, and we're kind of that anti-legalistic rebel against anything that says i got to keep laws and keep commands because um, I'm free in Christ and all this kind of stuff. I just want to say, John's not letting us have that wiggle room as these, as these kind of young guys that want to push against commands and push against legalism. Um, although we are very much against legalists because Jesus was, um, we are to obey God's commands. I mean, strictly obey God's commands. And this is not a legalistic thing to say. To say that you have to obey his commands. Um, it's the Bible. The Bible's telling you you have to obey his commands. In order to know, to know that you're in him. Assurance from sal- for, for our salvation comes in knowing that we are keeping his commands. Uh, now, saying that, okay, a way to know that you're saved is to keep his commands. That's really broad. So what I want to do here is I'm just going to read you the Bible. And these are going to be really specific. Um, to say... Hey, you, know, you can know you're a Christian if you keep his commands. You're going to be like, all right, yeah, that sounds good. I want to read you some specific commands. And as I read these specific commands, I want you to ask yourself, am I keeping that command? And therefore, if I'm not, what does that say about my assurance? I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read you verses. All right, this is the first one. Um, and if you don't like them, these are, I mean, I am not adding to it at all. This is like edit copy, edit paste from the scriptures. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We can know that we're, we're saved. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You can know that you're a Christian if you keep his commands. That's a command, husbands. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is a command. 
You can know that you're in Him if you are keeping His commands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. If you're not keeping God's commands, then how can we know if we are in Him? You have heard that it was said, this is mostly for guys, but maybe for girls too. Um, especially, well, I'm not just going to say people that aren't married, but for those that are married. Um, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now he's referring to the Old Testament command of not committing adultery, but he's saying that if you look at her lustfully, you've already broken that command. So a command is don't look at a girl lustfully. Now, we can flip that around and say the same thing for girls. If you're not keeping his commands, you, you, you don't have assurance. Each one, now, I'm going I'm to backtrack here in just a second. Just let me, let me keep pushing. Um, <clears throat> each one, here's another one, dealing with giving. Each one must give. This is a straight quote. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How is your giving? Uh, it's, it's easy whenever we stay broad. You've got to keep his commands to know you're in him. But as soon as I start giving commands, at least for me, I start getting pretty convicted. Um, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your, to your, offer your gift. This is a command um, talking about having something between your brother and anger and how to deal with all of that. That's a command. <clears throat> Let know, this is, this is one I think that all of us can listen to from Ephesians. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That's a command. How's your language? How's your conversations with others? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be away from you. Be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. These are just some short ones. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. That means you shouldn't lie. Here's one. This is a command out of Romans 12. Be constant in prayer. That's a command. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. So we can know that we're in Him if we're doing what He says. So how are we doing it? Praying. Being kind to each other. Not being lustful. Loving our wife as Christ loved the church. Submitting to our husbands. Um, will you keep these commands perfectly now that you're a Christian? Will you keep... No. Okay, I'm not saying that you're going to keep them perfectly. Not at all. Um, but we are to strive to keep these. Um, New Testament commentary said that the distinctive characteristic of the child of God is that he obeys God's commands. When, I'm sorry, when he keeps these commands, he demonstrates that he has come to know God. But this is not always the case as John points out in the next verse. But one of the key demonstrations of that we are in Christ is that we keep his commands. But, verse 4 points out that we don't always do this. It says, <clears throat> but whoever says... I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not... Now, this is pretty straightforward. It sounds a lot like one six. One six says, um, but if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it's, it's, it's very similar sounding. That we are to, as, as people who are claiming to be walking in Christ, um, have lives that are keeping his commands, that are walking in light. Um, now... One thing I want to I want to really key in on verse on verse four is when it says whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. I want to kind of key in on that truth and and talk about what it means and and one way that we can know we have assurance of salvation by using that word truth. Um, look over at chapter one verse eight. Chapter one verse eight says if we know that if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he uses the word truth. Now he's going to equate the word truth with God's word in verse 10. Look what he says in 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, and I mean, I think this is, you would all agree with me, but I just wanted to show you biblically. The truth and his word and God's mind are the same things. And John's mind and God's mind. We can also see it in 2.5 that the truth and his word carry the same idea. It says, but whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. But so he's saying in verse 4, whoever... Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word. So the truth and his word and, and John's mind are the same thing. All right, so I want to talk about what the truth, specifically God's word. I just want to talk about that. This is the second thing that I think that we can know that we're in him, is that the truth is in us. The truth is in him. Um, you can know that you are a believer if the truth is in you. Which I'm taking, and I, I believe I have great biblical proof to say, we have God's word, we're, or at least I can say it this way, we're finding that God's word is in us. As we're going through our life as Christians, the more we walk with Christ, we should be finding that God's word is in us. Now, how does that manifest itself? I, I've just taken down a couple. Um, number one is that we read. One way that you can know that you're in him is that you have God's Word in you. The way you're going to have God's Word in you is that you're reading the Bible. Just, just daily Bible reading. The second way is that you're memorizing. We are, right now as a church, memorizing the book of 1 John as we go through it. Um, so another way that you can ensure, that you can absolutely ensure that the Word of God is in you is to be um, very, very diligent in memorizing it's not just reading, but it's also memorizing. Another thing that we can be sure or we can know that God's word is in us is just in our conversation. And this is one of the most beautiful pieces of it is um, we don't always I don't always have a Bible in my back pockets. Um, I know some people actually keep the Bibles in their back pocket, which I think is a great idea. I just haven't found one small enough to fit in my in my pockets. Um, but we'll, we'll notice, though, as we read and as we memorize and, and we're walking through life, sometimes we, God grants this beautiful chance, this beautiful, beautiful opportunity to have conversations with people who are hurting, conversations with people that need to have a, a conversation about Jesus. And whenever we do... Um, evidence that we are in him is that whenever we start talking, we start saying Bible verses to him. We don't say, well, my opinion is, you know, that you can just do this. We're not giving them our opinions. We're not giving them some kind of flowery thing that's not scriptural. We are giving them God's word. And then we don't even understand. Like, I just, for some reason, knew God's word and started telling you God's word. What a beautiful thing. And in accountability, when people say, I'm struggling with this, you can say, you know what, I, I was reading 
last week or last month, or our, there's a verse that's coming to my head that actually addresses that. Here's this verse. I hope this verse helps. If you're dealing with anxiety, you're pointing to where Jesus says um, that God takes care of birds and flowers. Sure, he's, surely he's going to take care of you. Or, or whatever the situation is, whatever the person needs help, whatever the conversation is, whatever the, the scenario is, that you um, are finding yourself having the Word of God in you. This is a, this is a way to know that you're a Christian. Charles Spurgeon um, was speaking once about preachers, and he said, when you cut a preacher, his, budge, his, bud, his blood his blood should be biblin. I don't know if that's a real word, but that's, what it, that's the quote. Um, which means that he should actually bleed the Bible when you cut him. He's so much into the Scriptures that if you were actually to cut him, the Bible just kind of falls out. And uh, this, he's using word pictures. Um, but I think, um, yes, that's true. Absolutely, pastors should be wor- full of the Word of God. But, so should Christians. It's not like some category that, oh, the, the pastor needs to know the Scriptures, but I'm off the hook since I don't have to preach weekly. Um, no. Everyone that is in Christ should have the Bible coming out of them. Um, we, uh, we used to, about two years ago, um, we lived in a house in Fort Mill. And one day, I wasn't there, but my wife was there with, with JC. JC's our oldest daughter. She's six now. At the time, she was four. And um, there's a tornado warning. I don't know if you remember this. We used to have these tornado warnings. And uh, <clears throat> she went up to JC's room. She'd put her in bed. And she said, JC, I just want to let you know that uh, just in case I come up here and grab you and say, hey, let's run downstairs, um, I want you to get up and come with me fast. Don't ask questions. Don't drag. Come as fast as you can. And of course, JC, JC is the why. You know, everything's why. Why? Because there's a tornado. You tell a four-year-old there's a tornado. What's a tornado? Well, a tornado is just a big, heavy storm and big winds that if it comes here, it'll just blow the roof off the house. Good night. <laughs> you know, so you leave JC, the Y girl, whose mind's always running anyway. So good night, sleep tight. And so uh, <laughs> um, I get home, and JC's kind of JC was a little upset, and so I'm asking Christy, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know, you know, I was just telling, that, uh, just telling her that, you know, if a, if a hurricane comes, it'll blow the roof off the house. Um, and so we say, JC, what's the matter? And she's just crying, and she's a little upset. I don't want the, I'm scared the, the roof is going to blow off the house, and I'm going to get rained on, and my bed's going to get messed up. And so clearly, um, she's concerned for bed. There's a, uh, there's a way, there's a way that we talk to four-year-olds, right? There's a way we talk to four-year-olds. And so that we don't tell them that the, the whole roof is going to be blown off the house. I've already asked permission to say this. I know you're thinking, I can't believe, I asked permission. She's already said I can say this. And happy Mother's Day, I love you. Um, there's a way we say things, and she, she, she totally agrees. There's a way to say things. And it's the same thing as Christians. As Christians, there's a way our conversations should go with other people. It should be full of the Word. It shouldn't be full of our opinion. It shouldn't be full of slander. It shouldn't be full of gossip. It shouldn't be full of backbiting. It shouldn't be full of hatred. It should be full of love, filled, walking by the Spirit, full of the Word of God. And we can know. We can know that we're in Christ if the truth is in us. If His Word is in us. So, it's good evidence. Now, all these things I'm giving you today are evidences of your of assurance of salvation. I'm not saying these things are earning your salvation. I'm not saying if you memorize the Bible, you're going you're gonna to go to heaven. I'm saying that if you're in Christ, then the Word of God should be in you. Um, now, we've been going through the book of 1 John. Um, and the book of 1 John has been very, very, very good for me. 
Um, I, I honestly, I can't recall a period in my life that I have felt as much conviction from the Holy Spirit um, in one kind of like outpouring, pressured time in one little two-month period as I have as, as I've been studying First John. Usually it's been kind of spread out, but God's just been really gracious to me to just pour out mass loads of conviction on me and to examine my heart and really see how much I want Jesus versus anything else. Um, as I've been studying First John, the reason why is because I don't, and, and you may not, um, I know you may not, um, because I've met, I know some of you and some of you are not like this, but I'm like this, and this is just confession time. I don't tend to be a loving person. I want to be a loving person, but I don't tend to be. Um, I tend to be hypercritical, unloving, compassionless, with very little regard for the next person, um, and very prideful. Thank you, Jesus, that he's making me sanctified and that he will one day. I pray that he will. But that's my, that's my bent. I, I have those characteristics in my life. And so as I'm studying First John, um, and he is just hammering me over and over about how loving God is and how loving I'm supposed to be to people, it has been just showing me um, how sinful I am. So... The book of 1 John has been drawing all kinds of lines in the sand regarding how much I'm supposed to love people. And it's been good. But um, it's been bad. It's been bad. The reason why it's been good is because it's been showing. The reason why it's bad is because I'm not seeing the areas of improvement that I want to see yet. I'm still that way. It's not like, here's the conviction. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, now I'm all of a sudden not that way. I'm finding that it's a much, much more difficult progress, a much longer path than I really want to be for me to become a loving person. I'm thankful that he's showing me, but it is very difficult for me to, um, to be the kind of loving person that I want to be. Look, look at First uh, John 4.20. This is what it says. This is, this, this is just as straightforward as you can get, First John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God, which as believers, hopefully we would all say that. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, I I would never say I hate my brother. I would never say that. But if I look at my actions, the truth is in my action. There are many times throughout the day where I do not show that I love my brother. In fact, it would seem that I hate him. But I would absolutely say I love God. So I've got a big problem. I've got a big problem. Let's look at verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. If you are a believer and you're keeping his word in you, Truly, the love of God should be perfected. So here's the third one. Here's the third one. To know you're in Him, the love of God is visible in your life. I'm taking that phrase where it says, in Him truly the love of God is perfected to mean that the love of God is visible in our life. Um, How can you know, or the love of God is perfected in you means your love looks like God's love. That's what it means. The love of God is perfected in you. This is God's love for a believer. Um, God's love is truly being made complete in you. God's love for man is being 
made complete in you. How can you know? How can you know that God's love is being perfected in you? Look what, look at verse 5. It says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. The love of God is perfected. Look at the top, top of verse 5. Whoever keeps his word. The love of God will be perfected in you if you're keeping his word. 1 John, over and over, over and over, showing me that the love of God is not being perfected in me. That I have a long way to go to be perfected. And one of the reasons why is because I'm, I'm not keeping his word the way I should. Now, I've already said you can't keep his word perfectly. But that is never the excuse. That's just the truth. But it's never the excuse. You can't say, well, First John says that I can't keep his love perfectly, so I'm, I'm off the hook. That's just not John's deal. That's not, that's not at all what he says. Verses 1 and 2. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He, he absolutely has never given you any leeway to sin. He's always saying, strive for holiness. Strive to not sin. And one of the ways that we would show ourselves not sinning is that the love of God is being perfected in us. Now, here's what I'm hoping you're going to see here when I'm talking about this third thing. The love of God um, is visible in our life. All right, I'm just going to give you two little illustrations. Number one, I'm hoping that you'll, you'll ask yourself this. Where do you need to be more loving? Sometimes for us, it's place. Where do I need to be more loving? Um, home, school, work, wherever. I'm loving in that place. I'm not loving in this place. Now, here's the danger. Don't do this because this is exactly what I'll do. I'm going to think of the place I'm most loving. I'm, I'm most loving at home. I'm most loving at school. I'm, I'm loving at, at work. All right. Yeah, I'm loving. I'm thinking of work, of just how great of a guy I am. Or at work. Man, I am a great guy. So yeah, I'm loving. Don't think of that place. Think of the place you stink. Think of the place you're really bad at being loving. And ask God by the gospel, because of the gospel, based on the love of Christ that he's poured out on you, that you would love other people. Sometimes, for some people it's place, but for some people it's the actual person. Um, to whom do you need to be more loving? Um, family. Neighbor. In the church. At your, at your, maybe, for some of us it's not place. It's for some of us, why am I getting like text messages? This is crazy. I'm not, I'm not texting y'all, uh, like during the sermon here. I'm, put it on vibrate. All right, um. Sorry. <laughs> so for some people, it's actual people. Um, again, same danger. Don't think of people you, you don't have any problems loving. Um, if, if you love your wife really, really well, like you can extravagantly love her well, don't think, oh, yeah, I'm a great, great lover of other people. Man, I, I serve my wife like crazy. Think of the people you don't love. Think of the people that you don't love well. Consider how God's calling you to love them. God wants you to love other people. Um, I was having a conversation with someone, and, and mine's people. Um, I was having a conversation once with someone uh, this past week, and I, I was told this. You push these particular people away from Christ more than you push them towards Christ. That's just, those are harsh, true, very, very true words. And the truth hurt a lot. You push these particular people away from Jesus more than you push them to Jesus. 
One of the key things of, of being a Christ follower that I'll know is that I have the love of God perfected in me. In regard to these people, I don't have the love of God perfected. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm not even neutral. I'm pushing them away rather than towards. It's not good. It's not good at all. And so, what's the answer? Repentance. The truth hurts. Instead of saying, you're wrong. That's true. Stop. Don't get defensive in saying, that's absolutely true. Repent and pray, Jesus, please by the gospel, help me be more loving towards that particular place or this particular person. We're supposed to um, be more loving. I have, I have four children whom I love very deeply. Very deeply. Um, and this is what sometimes my, my, what it looks like for me to arrive at home. When I arrive at home, now, I don't, I'm not saying this is good to be this way, but one of the things I, the, one of the ways I am when I get home is, I, I, for some reason, need things straight and clean. I just, I don't know why. I just, I want things put away. I don't, I like it that way. And so when I come home, you know, the kids are always happy to see me. They're jumping around and, hey, dad, grabbing my leg. Aiden, for, you know, the first five minutes is just like, you know, every, every step. And so when I get home, what I start doing is, <clears throat> four children, so you can imagine, um, if, if things aren't put away, I start like putting things away and trying to, trying to put stuff away for the first 15 minutes. Um, I'm putting stuff away instead of loving on the kids. Um, when I do that, I'm missing the most important thing. Now, I'm not saying clean that need to be done. Yeah, it needs to be done. But when the kids are in bed or something, I'm missing the most important thing for something that's secondary. Your love for others is shown in your actions. I'm, I'm showing them by my actions. Kids, you're important to me. I love you deeply, but cleaning's more important than you right now, which is not true. It never is true. One of the key things is that we would be loving and we're going to show that we're loving, not just by making a conscious decision, not just feeling bad and saying, that's true, Fudd, I need to do it. It is by actions. We show people that we're loving by the way we actually treat them. So as I'm talking about um, having the love of God perfected in you, it's not some kind of, you know, mystical thing out there that we we strive for and try to grab onto and affirm in our head and say, yeah, that's going to happen one day. It's actions. You're going to visibly put on display love for other people by doing good, loving things towards them. By this, you know that you're in him. All right. Look at verse six. We're closing. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Um, ESV Study Bible, commenting on walk in the same way, says this. That's the way that led to the cross. Believers need know and cannot repeat, I don't know if I wrote that right, need not maybe, and cannot repeat Christ's unique saving death. So when we say walk in the same way which Jesus walked, we're not saying, which means try to be a Messiah, try to go die on a cross literally, 
and tell everybody it's for them. That's not what it's saying. It is, so what he's saying is, um, you cannot repeat Christ's unique saving death, but they can mirror his faith, his love, his piety, his obedience, and his self-sacrifice, and this pattern of life will give greater assurance that we are in him. So I'm not trying to replace, and don't hear this, I'm not trying to replace what did Jesus do with what would Jesus do. Um, what would Jesus do is, is not the gospel. It's what Jesus did is the gospel. Jesus died for us on the cross. That's the truth. It's not, oh, I want to be a Christian, so what would Jesus do in this situation? I should be like him. It's what did Jesus do? He died for you. Therefore, based on the gospel, you can live in light of that truth and be more Christ-like. So we're not trying to strive to be more moral people. We're trying to live as people who are saved by Jesus and saved by the gospel and live in the gospel and love and serve and be just like him. So when we talk about ought to walk in the same way which he walked, the first one is what would Jesus do means we're trying to be moral people in order to gain a right standing with Jesus. That's legalism and that's out of the window. We're not trying to earn our salvation. We are trying to say based on... Him dying on the cross for me, I want to live a life that reflects a thankful heart towards Him, a worshipful heart towards Him, giving evidence that real faith has happened in my life. There's a big difference between earning your salvation and giving evidence. A big difference. So we're not saying that... When I say strive to be Christ-like, it's based on the gospel to live for Him. It's based on the gospel. So here's the the fourth one. To know that we're in Him, we'll walk like Jesus walked. Um, live as Jesus lived. Um, meaning that we are going to imitate Jesus in His faith, in His moral excellence, because we're living out of thankful hearts for Him. Um, we're not doing it based on our own strength. We're not doing it because we are now somehow great people that can do this. We're doing it because we are saying, here, here's, the key, here's the key part of it all. I'm going to walk in the same way which, in which he walked. Now, Jesus died physically. Died physically. We're going to have baptisms next week, um, next Sunday, right after church, right out here. When we are baptized, what we're saying is um, we are, are buried with Jesus and we're raised to walk in newness of life with Jesus. And so when we say we're going to walk in the same which he, way which he walked, what did Jesus do? He died. And so, when we walk the same way, we're going to say, Jesus' death, we're not going to die physically, we're going to say, Jesus' death is my death. I'm going to count my life, my death, as His. I'm going to say that since He died, that was my death. Now, I'm going to be raised, now, when Jesus lives, that's my life, is Jesus' life. So when we walk in the same which, which way in which he walked, we're saying, I died when Jesus died, now Jesus lives in me. That's how we walk in the same way which he walked. We count his death as ours, we count his life as ours, and we walk as believers. We walk as Christ, as a new creation. So, when we say that we're walking in the same which, which way, I can't say that, when we say that we're walking in the same way in which he walked, it's like a tongue twister. JC has those... You know, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a wood... Anyway. Um, the gospel is saying, Jesus died, therefore I died. And because I died, 
Jesus now lives in me. And as I walk through this life, I'm not living on my own strength. I'm not living on my own power. I'm living on Jesus' power in my life. And when I see that in my life, when I see that I'm relying and walking in the Spirit and not in my own flesh, that gives me assurance of my salvation. I'm walking in the same way in which He walked. That's what it means. All of this only happens because of the gospel. If there's a drum that I'm going to beat every single... If you're going to say, Fudge says the same thing every week, you're right. The gospel, it's based on everything. Everything is based on that. I'm going to return to that because it's our only place we can actually go to. We have no other place to go besides the gospel. It's not just for unbelievers to come to to get saved. It's for believers to stay at, to stay saved for the rest of their life. We have to have... and I've, I say stay saved as a Baptist who affirms we can't lose our salvation. That we have to stay at the gospel. We have to live in the gospel for the rest of our life. We need the gospel. It's the only way, the only way that we will live this Christ life. Because, if you're like me, I am just a wretched sinner. And I need the gospel every day to transform me to be more Christ-like. So, whenever we're walking in the same which, which way he walked, to know that we are Christians, we're going to keep his commandments. The truth will be in us. We're going to find the word in us. We're going to walk in the same way of which he walked. We're going to find that the love of God is more visible, not less visible in our life. The people that we find very difficult, no one's going to say to you like they did to me, you push them away from Jesus than you do, more than you push them to Jesus. The problem was, the people that they were talking about aren't even Christians. It's not like they're talking about Christians that I'm pushing them away. I'm pushing non-Christians away from Jesus more than towards. That should not happen in our lives. I don't know which one you are. I don't know which one you need to... Maybe you just need to obey those commands that I said. Maybe you just need to know more of His Word in your life. Maybe you just need to... Have the manifest love God of God more present in your life as you express it to your fellow man. I mean, we have two commandments. To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. To love the neighbor as yourself. You do those, you're keeping all the law. Or maybe it's to count Jesus' death as your own and walk in the same way in which he walked. Whichever one it is, your only answer is the gospel. If you don't know Christ this morning, your hope is found in the gospel. You can have eternal life in Christ, in the gospel. So I pray right now that you would, if you're not a Christian, put your faith in Christ. If you are a Christian, continue striving after and asking God to make the gospel more present in your life, more present in your mind and that you can have more assurance because you see these things. Now, these aren't the only four things. These aren't the only four things that give you assurance. These are John's four things right now in this text. But you'll, you'll say, God, I want to know. You say in 5.13 that I can know that I have eternal life. I want to know because I walk through my life sometimes and I do things that I'm not supposed to do. And one of my first thoughts is, man, am I a Christian? I'm not supposed to do that. And we're supposed to know. So I, I want you to pray, God, Help me know, help me walk in these things so that I know that I have eternal life. And then we're going to stand and we're going to worship and we're going to take the Lord's Supper, reminding ourselves that all only hope we have is in Christ. I'm going to pray and then we'll go into our, our time of the Lord's Supper.
Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the truth of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that we can, as your scripture says, know that we have eternal life and that we can do honest self-assessment. We can do honest self-reflection and we can look at our hearts, look at our minds and say to ourselves, do I know him? Do I not? We can we can have objective realities that can be seen in our life. Do we have love in our life? Do we have the word in our life? Are we finding ourselves to be more service oriented? Are we finding ourselves to keep his commands more than not? Are we walking in the same way in which he walked? Are we counting Christ's death as ours and counting his life now in us? And so I pray for my friends, Lord, here, and I pray for myself that we would know that we are in him. That we would know. Because you have told us that we can. And it's truly liberating to walk in that. Lord, we love you. Lord, I ask that as we go into this time of the Lord's Supper, as we consider the death of Christ for us on our behalf, His blood shed, His body broken for us on our behalf, God, that we would do honest self-assessment, that we would think about what it means to be a follower, that we would examine ourselves and discern His body and His blood and discern our sin. Confess sin if we knew to, but still return to the table because it's only in the table that, and only in the, in the gospel, it's only in Christ that we can have forgiveness and that we can take the Lord's Supper. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I um, <clears throat> just want to clarify one thing. As, as we were thinking, uh, as we were singing, actually, I, I was thinking, um, there's one little line in there that, uh, and we're singing everything, he just said, you are everything, be my everything. And I just sat, I had to sit down, I was thinking, wow, you are everything, be my, can I actually say that with like real moral conviction and be telling the truth at this moment? Be my everything, do I, do I really want him to be my everything and what does that mean? Um, and then I started thinking just about what we're saying here, um, about assurance of salvation and seeing these things in our life, the love of God, and, and I just wanted to kind of clarify one little thing, um, Whenever I said these things need to be present in your life um, in order for you to know that you are in Him, they don't have to be present in your life to the absolute fullness of them. You, you won't have them present in your life to their absolute fulfillment and fullness right now. Um, that's what the great thing about the grace of Jesus is. We see these things in our life, hopefully as Christians, but they're never going to be where we want them. So I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, I'm not saved, I don't ever love people. I, I mean, Fudd was telling me he doesn't even love people, so I can't. Um, that's the grace of Christ, that we will see these things in, in evidences. It's not like we have to have all those things, all four, and all the other things that the Bible say at their full capacity, or else you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's the greatness of the gospel and, and, and Jesus, that... We look for those evidences because we all need to have assurance at moments whenever we're walking. You're like, do I even believe this? I see that. I see that. I see that. I see that. Praise God. It's not where I want it to be, but praise God that I see it. So that's what my idea and that's what my goal is, is that you would, you would have some, some objective things to look for in your life to know that you, you have assurance because we all need that. Um, but I wasn't saying that you have to have these things all the way or else you're not a Christian. Um, just wanted to clarify that.